Lectionary Lab Live is recorded by Two Bubbas and a Bible live from Gainesville, Florida and Brasstown, North Carolina. Welcome, everybody, to the Legendary Lab Live. I'm John Perlis. I'm here with my Bubba, Delbert Chilton. Say hey, Bubba. Hey, Bubba. Hey, man. Good to hear you today. Good to see you and get up with you. We are going to be talking some text, thinking about preaching today for the fifth Sunday in Lent. Just about to wind this holy season down and we'll be getting prepared of course for holy week and easter right before you know it but these are the texts for march the 26th 2023 very familiar well familiar to preachers who've had to handle these for years and to a lot of our listeners people that have been in church for a while uh they they know these texts they know these stories and uh they're rich nonetheless so tell us what you got on your mind today baba as we think about preaching. Well, well, first of all, I just want to get my pet peeve out of the way. Yep. Double check with your lector and make sure they know the difference between the words prophecy and prophesy. Yep. Yep. How many times <laughs> have I heard prophecy to these bones? <laughs> I, I came up with a nifty little mnemonic today. Yeah, I was in the yeah. shower this morning and I was thinking about this text. I'd been working with it and go thought the same thing. Well, I need to check with my, my lector, you know, and because I've, I've experienced the same thing. And I thought, okay, how do you tell people tell the difference? Okay. If you see the C, it rhymes with C, prophecy. If you see the S, you need to slide on to the Y because it rhymes with, <laughs> with Y. <I>. Prophesy. <laughs> so anyway, just half kidding, but the moment I'm well, sitting there going. <laughs> then somebody feels bad. You have to stand up and say, and the Lord said, prophesy, yes. uh, Ezekiel. And, uh, yeah, if or you else have to, you have to, don't want to embarrass you. Don't want to embarrass them, but if it's in your sermon, you're, you're stuck. So anyway. Yeah. More importantly, themes today, and you know, as as has been happening throughout mm-hmm. this event, we have mm-hmm. a very long lesson from John, which I'm going to focus a lot on today, wow. uh, the raising of Lazarus. And so, uh, themes for today, for all the texts, all of them are well tied to this story of the raising of Lazarus. This, I would call one of them life and death. And life after death, new life, both physical death, life, death, and new life. And also, mm-hmm. what you might say cultural, communal, uh, might be that we got to think about the difference between individual resurrection and, and the resurrection of faith, the resurrection of the community. So that's, that's that three part theme there, life, death, right. and resurrection. Right. Uh, there's despair. And hope, I think, which tie both to uh, the Ezekiel text and to what Mary and Martha are feeling. Uh, they express it so beautifully. If you had been here, my brother you wouldn't have died. Did. It's just despair. It's done. It's over. And it, where is the hope? Where is the possibilities? And 
a recognition, and this sort of stirs up out of uh, Romans, but fits the others, is that this life is a divine gift of word and spirit throughout. What do you believe in the gift of the spirit? It's not that which we achieve. So all of those are wound up in all of these texts. And I think one of the idea I think to keep in mind as we think through all of this particularly with the gospel lesson, is to keep in mind as we read through it, and this is my shift to that text, mm-hmm. is that the main idea throughout all of this is God acts to save in the midst of death and despair. And in the particular case of Jesus and this story about Lazarus, for Lazarus to come out of the tomb, Jesus must go in. For Lazarus to come out, Jesus must come in. And that's one of the the things that John is building toward throughout these, this, this text, is that's the foreshadowing, the undercurrent that's going through everything. So let, let's go to it. Good man. Uh, in John, as I just hinted at, in John 11, 1 through 45, you have two stories. One is the surface story, which is a family drama of life and death, of despair and hope, of of resurrection, of a gift to a particular family, Lazarus and Mary and Martha. So on that level, you've got that story, and that's a beautiful story. But just below it, just below the surface throughout this story, there is the life and death and resurrection of the world. And tied in with the life and death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. And that story informs this other story. So there's the weaving together of these two stories. And the life, death, and resurrection of Lazarus doesn't work without the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and the life, death, and resurrection of the world doesn't work without the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And this is what John is working with. And I'm not going to say that Lazarus is an illustration, but maybe better an example of what this I, uh, John yeah. is working with to get at this theological point. Right. I've wrestled for years now with exactly what to call Lazarus here that happens, you know, and there are, you know, you can, you can go with the, how many angels on the head of a pen, picky discussions about this. Is this resurrection? Is it resuscitation? Is it, you know, it's not really resurrection till Jesus and blah, blah. It's not that, but you know, is, is Lazarus and his story a foretaste, a foreshadowing, as you said, is it, an illustration of what's to come is is Lazarus sort of a type of illustration, and Jesus is going to be the illustration. And uh, yeah, I, 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 think, I, 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 yeah, I think we're best to go with John's language. Uh, it's a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign, and I don't think it it it's a sign of who God is, and so that's how yeah. this sort of this plays out. So. Sometimes we combine um, the delay that starts off with this, and then we get later to the sisters uh, 
coming at Jesus, and then he wept. And it's as if, oh, I'm so sorry. I should have been here. I don't know why I delayed. And he's so sorry that, that Lazarus is dead. No. From the very beginning, as this story unfolds, as John tells it, Jesus knows Lazarus will physically die. Yeah. And his tears are at the pain and suffering of Mary and Martha very much so. But mm-hmm. he knew from the very beginning, Jesus is not delaying out of some bizarre reason or, or this. There's very clear. He says, uh, verse 4, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, when he says this illness does not lead to death, he is not saying Lazarus will not die. Right. He's saying it does not lead to eternal death. It's not gone for good. Yeah. It is for God's glory. This is not a defeat, see, if we think of it in terms of death, defeating, <laughs> oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? They're saying, we better hurry up. Lord, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he whom you love is ill the sister sin and he said yeah it, it's not it's not to death it's for for god's glory so he is saying this up front it's for the glory of god that the world might believe it sets it up as john often does if you look for sign it's right there and at the end of the story we're going to come back to the issue of people saw it and believe so here we go so he's got that initial thing and accordingly, though, though Jesus loved Mary and her sister and Lazarus, he didn't go. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is set up. So why didn't, you know, he said he's, why didn't he go? He loved them, but he said, no, I got to show the glory of God. It's a sign. Right. To reveal that for Lazarus to come out, Jesus must go in the tomb. So then verse 7, you start talking about to the disciples. And this is where this part about going to the tomb gets real. Right. Let's go to Judea again. And the (laughs) disciples said, are you kidding? Are you kidding? They were already, they were going to stone you. And we just got (laughs) out with our life. You're going to go there again? uh, Yeah. What? What you're talking about, Jesus? What you what? talking about, Jesus? What? What? Yeah. Oh, uh, no, no, let's not go back there again. We're not going back in there again. Are you crazy? And Jesus talks a little bit about daylight, which he's talking about. We usually talks about time to work, and it's I don't have a lot of time. Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light. The light's not in them. So he says, it's time for us to go. The light is here. We're okay. He told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Another expression for dead, but not the permanent bliss of death. But I'm going there to awaken him. This is language that has to do with, de- again, death and resurrection, as it were. There And Lazarus not the only one. You know, there were... Jairus' daughter, you know, come up, stand up, let's go. And he's going to awaken him. <laughs> the disciples said, Lord, if he's asleep, he'll be fine. He'll sleep. Yeah, he's taking a nap. Leave the man they, alone. Don't, yeah. They don't get what he's talking about. And this is usual for John, as you know, back and forth between languages. 
he was speaking about his death, and they thought he was merely referring to sleep, as it says. He told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So this is what it said up front. He did not suddenly burst into weeping with Mary and Martha because he didn't think delaying would lay them to death. He knew it would, and he was good he with that. He knows. And I, I and gotta I'm, say, I was, that... I'm glad I was not there. And look, so you may believe. That's right. And, you know, this story, uh, we've all used it, read it. It's amazingly helpful working with families when a loved one has passed, and especially if they feel like they could have done more, should have done more, all of that. But uh, in the context of these stories we've been reading from John, even with the serious nature of what's going on here, you still got this kind of underlying almost humor, okay? Almost think you know and this is one of my favorite lines when <laughs> jesus told them plainly no lazarus is dead dead he's cold to the toes boys he is done for um what's that what's that <laughs> the 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 munchkins and the wizard of oz when he's got the absolutely positively, positively dead yeah yeah totally yeah. dead and and it's going to be the same thing as we as we go on through and jesus gets down to the dramatic moment Roll back the stone. Uh, Lord, he's been in there four days. Uh, you know yeah. what's going to happen. So, it, I, I, yeah, I just love John as a storyteller. And so, I'm not going to play up a lot of humor here, on this one day. Of the, but, the key yeah. moments for me. And so, nowhere does he say, we'll be fine. Hmm. He doesn't say that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, oh, don't worry about it. I got this covered. Nobody's going to kill us. We'll be fine. Uh, you guys are worrying too much, you know, when they say go back there. No, he never says that. He says, we're supposed to do this. The sun is shining. It's time for us to go work. Lazarus is dead. We need to go to him. And poor old Doubting Thomas, people forget because of the Doubting Thomas moment, they forget this powerful witness moment. Correct. When he says, all right, let's go so we can die with him. He's bad. He's set on dying. We might as well go. I call uh, Thomas telling the way it is, Thomas. He's not a doubter. He just no. does the way it is. He cuts to the chase here and in the post-resurrection. This, and this is a gigantic statement of faith. He mm-hmm. doesn't know that they're not whether they'll die or not. He's willing to die. Yeah. He believes in Christ. See, that's the link. I was glad I was not there, so you may believe. And then very next thing, Thomas has a statement that is as strong a statement of belief as the one he does after the resurrection. He said, oh, Lord, I believe. He says, let us also go that we may die with him. So it moves on. They go, and they're going. And Jesus arrived. He found Lazarus been in the tomb four days. And lots of the point about Bethany being too close to Jerusalem is a lot of people had come out to there were a lot of witnesses, a lot of them from Jerusalem, that he was there. And then you have this, twice the sisters come and say the same thing to him. This is a repetitive kind of thing, a different way of, well, first one is a dialogue about resurrection. And the second one is an example of God, Jesus' power over death. The first was a statement about it, and the second conversation results in a demonstration so he's got 
Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even now I know that God will give you whatever you desire. There's a separation at this point. And he said, your brother will rise again. Well, I believe in the general resurrection. <laughs> you know, I, I believe, oh, you know, I, I know that he will I rise. I believe it will all kind of shake out in the end. Yeah, yeah and he said, Jesus said, I am. And, you know, I am is a Yahweh statement there, you know identification there. I am the resurrection life. Those that believe in me, though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that's when she says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming to the world. Now, I want to just say a word of Fred Craddock warning here. This is one of those places, don't take this out, shorten the text, and preach on that only. Yeah, You can. You can a bit, but I would. I mean, well, to, save that for the funeral service. Save right? that for the you, funeral you, service or the revival meeting. Graveside or, or something like that. But no, yeah. this is the text for today, so don't amend it. Yeah. Don't amend it. Just, this is tempting because it's so, it's so yeah. powerful and lifted up. But what he, mm-hmm. so here's this moment in which he says the whole point of this story is a sign of who Jesus is. And this is when Jesus most clearly states it. Gets, has her to state it. I am the resurrection and life. And she says, you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one coming into the world. That scene breaks. She goes and talks to her sister, notices says privately. Teacher's here, calling for you. Preacher's here, wants to see you in the park. Preacher's here, yeah. Preacher. Wants to see you in the park. So she heard it, got, went to him. And he's not quite to the village yet. And she comes and says the exact same thing. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when he saw her weeping and the others weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. Where have you laid him? Come and see. And Jesus wept. He wept at the pain and suffering of humanity. This is the human Jesus. He is fully touched with human emotion here and and the divine jesus obviously is going to is on display yeah I, I don't know how much we should differentiate those we no. can kind of say fully man fully god you know all human uh, but this is jesus you can this you can you can get time. into you know all the all the first 300 years philosophical mm-hmm. debates mm-hmm. and if you want to play with reading not the nicene creed but the athanasian creed you can have fun but the reality, we say fully human, fully divine. And I would say that both the human Jesus responded to the people he cared about mm-hmm. and seeing their pain starts weeping with them. And I would also say that God, God, it was in Christ and God wept with us. Absolutely. Immovable, impassable is not biblical. It's Greek philosophical system. I'm sorry. And God yep. is movable, and God is passionate. That's what impasse, you know. God does have passion, and it's shown most fully on display in Jesus in this moment. And then he demonstrates in response to Mary what he told Martha. He says, show me where the tomb is. And he goes, and Martha came and said, Lord, it's already stinking. 
And he said, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? There's belief and glory one more time. Yeah. Yeah. And before you hit the big climax here. Yeah. I, I can't help, especially after our conversation last week and the text, the long text about the blind man. And how yep. they went on and on and on yep. and on and on. And no, the only punishment that could see what was happening was the blind man. They can't leave it alone even here in verse 37. Some yep. of them said, well, yeah, he, Mr. He opened the eyes of the blind man, but he didn't yep. keep this guy from dying. Yep. You know, he, right. he's got these little glimpses in there. It's still going on. They're still, they're still yeah. Well, you know, I was going to – and that is – no matter what he says or what they see, there's still this lack of belief. Correct. And one of my favorite lines is in Matthew at the Ascension. And it said, and they they all stood and watched him go into heaven and worshiped him. And then it said, but some doubted. Some, yeah, some doubted. What does it take for us? What does it take, you know? Yeah. So there's that element that, what is going on? And so he prayed and it said i say this not for my sake but for the crowd that they'll know that you and i god are one so here's another moment when john is saying jesus and the father and ultimately the spirit are one the unity there that you know we struggled for 2000 years to define how that works we were talking about we don't we can't do it with scientific precision we say it is a spiritual reality so that they may believe that you sent me. He's from God. The glory of God may be revealed that I am the Messiah. I mean, all of this was done for belief. So here we go. Lazarus come out. Mm. Loud voice. Big voice. The dead man came out, his feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him. And let him go. Now, I have often speculated about how Lazarus felt about this. I mean, you, we, we've heard we've heard all about the the long long beam of light and the warm presence welcoming you. So here's Lazarus. He's died, and he's going down that long beam of light and this warm presence, and loves him, and he's getting ready for all this, and it's just. Oh man, uh, he's just ready, and all of a sudden he hears Lazarus come out, and, and I just—it's kind of like Star Trek, you know, when he gets beamed back into the tomb, which is dark and cold and stinks to high heaven, and he's wrapped up in these nasty claws, and then he comes out, and I think I'd look at Jesus and say, "What? I—I I was fine." Well, since you've already given the Star Trek reference and we're boldly going where yeah. no podcast has gone before, I used the word shit last week, and I, I yeah. felt kind of bad about it, and I shouldn't, but I'm going to transgress a little further here. I almost feel like Lazarus is going, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I, you know, what, PF, he, what, he, what he's doing is going, because yeah. he can't talk. He can barely yeah. walk and loose the so, man and let so, him go. And, and I think there's a spiritual thing underneath there <laughs> that we always make this kind of differentiation that yeah. uh, when Jesus gets hold of your life, it'll change it for the better. Well, <laughs> sometimes Jesus will get hold of your life and you're not sure if it's any better or not for a while. You know? It stinks, yeah. It stinks. Anyhow. So verse 45 says, 
And so many believed. But it actually, verse 45 is part of a sentence which includes verse 46, hmm. which says, but some went to the Pharisees and told them what they had seen. And then you Here's... have 47 through 53, yeah. the plot begins that ends with Jesus on the cross, which comes back to the line for Lazarus to come out. Jesus, Jesus had to willingly go in. He had to go wow. back to Judea. He had to, in the face of people he knew were one, were witnessing and were planning on telling, he did it in their in their face. He knew what was going to happen, and he did it for the glory of God. For mm. Jesus, Lazarus to come out, Jesus had to go in. And the same is true for us. For us to come out of our depths wow. of despair and lack of hope and destruction, and death, and whatever it is we're going through, for us to come out, Jesus has to come in to the tomb with us. That is the message so, today. I think you're doing a beautiful job with it. So are you making that part of what is sometimes called the great exchange? The great exchange. Yeah. Yeah. The great exchange. Yeah. Uh, Jesus takes on our sin and gives us his righteousness. You can... Mm -hmm. Look it up, and yeah, ways do a little work it. on that, y'all. It's a wonderful idea, and it, it this text so beautifully I, lays that out. The great, and I think thing. I think we often in an evangelical world that I grew up in, revivalism was the key. Uh, it it kind of honed it down to as simple as they could make it, so that people would emotionally respond to it. Is that Jesus took on your sin? On the cross, he suffered for your sin so that you could receive that. Whole, if you accept Christ, then you will receive God's holy, which is true, but is mm -hmm. limiting. Yeah. You know, Jesus takes on our stuff every day, not just the one time we get up from the pew and go down to the front while just as I am is being sung and say, I mm -hmm. accept Jesus. I think if there's a, a lack for the evangelical church, there's a lack of expanding beyond that. And I think if there's a lack for the more progressive or liberal church, that's an unwillingness to address that aspect of how God in Christ comes to us in that space. We, we in the progressive and more liberal church tend to focus on how we imitate Christ in being good mm -hmm. and do that stuff rather than often enough recognizing how much we need God to come and yeah. And fill us. And that, that thought. Give us God's life. That last thought is one that I, really struck me from the um, Ezekiel text. I know we're right. just about to jump into that. We are. But uh, yeah, Jesus has come and has lived as we have lived and is going to die as we will die. All of it to show, to give a sign that God acts. And that's why we need not fear death. Yeah. I love it. Yep. So the uh, the Ezekiel text, and I'm going to talk about the other three texts to be appointed for the day in ways in which they complement the gospel lesson mm -hmm. because I think 99% of us are focusing on the raising of Lazarus for preaching today. I'm guessing mm -hmm. that, but probably so. You're using the Count me in the one <laughs> for, for just well, reasons. 
The, yeah, the, there's a number of reasons. I am focusing on Ezekiel, but yeah. I agree, 99%, and and the, uh, I'm not going into it. There are reasons to make that yeah. choice, but I struggle right. with it. I well, I've done it. it. I've right. done it. But I, what, I'm, yeah. what I'm saying is that there's a lot in Ezekiel, yeah. and if I were doing Ezekiel, and I've done it once or twice, I would do sure. Ezekiel, but I would comment, use if you're going to, you know, for me, you read all four, so right. anything that's right. read is fair game for throwing in sermon if you need it. <laughs> so with Ezekiel, um, the flow of the first lessons for the last five weeks, you know, has been moving through the various elements, kind of a quick run through uh, history of Israel. But between last week, when Samuel went out and, and identified Jesse's sons and then found David, little shepherd David. And this week with the Valley of Dry Bones, a lot of stuff has happened. It's kind of like if you're watching a, a TV show on a regular basis and you missed a few weeks and then you come in and go, well, what's going on here? Last time we, I saw this, David had just been named. Yeah. Jim. And he, even in this day of streaming, every, once in a while, we'll get the wrong. We'll punch the wrong episode. Then it'll start playing, and we we'll go. Wait a minute, we missed something. We what? missed. It, it was oh, like, yeah. oh, we skipped an episode. Wait, go yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. I was like, who? What? Who died? What? Wait a minute. <laughs> so we missed. Yeah. The whole building up of the kingdom, and the whole David cycle, and particularly we missed the destruction of Israel. And to carry off into exile, which this is resp- responding to here, and and Israel was totally destroyed. Both se- the secular Israel, if you can call it that, the government, the the the, mm-hmm. the country, the politically destroyed, the king had been carried off in captivity to Babylon. Everything was taken down. All the 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 economy was put. They had taken off the elite. They had put other people from other parts of the empire. This was a typical thing that the Babylonian Empire did. They moved people around to out of their homeland and sent them somewhere else to keep them from, you know, rebelling. Good strategy. Sort of good strategy. <laughs> so the yeah. country was destroyed, and in so many ways, it felt like the religion had been destroyed because the temple had been raised, or a ZED had been destroyed. There was no temple. And so the people are going, wow, why did this happen? What did we do? How bad <laughs> were we that bad? You know, yeah. their history is. Mm-hmm. They look back at it and the flood came and destroyed the world. The, th- the threat of did, did God punish us for that sin over and over again in the prophets mm-hmm. and other places you saw? God will, this will lead to your destruction. Has, have we over? Is, is is there no more Israel, both politically and religiously? Right. Uh, is there no hope? Are we totally dead? And that's the vision of the Valley of the Dry Bones, is a completely dead country. And it, what it looked like to them as they mm-hmm. sat there in Babylon looking back to Israel, mm-hmm. there was the, the cultists, Existed no more. The court 
existed no more. The boundaries of their country existed no more. Mm -hmm. They were barely able to keep alive some of what it meant to be Jewish. And they were always struggling against that. Look at Daniel and and, uh, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff that goes on the book of Daniel and things that were happening to them and how struggle they had to even identify as strangers in a strange land as Jewish folk. And Ezekiel speaks to this. And what happens is he you have the vision, you have the prophecy, you have the vision, and then you have the interpretation. So, you know, it it begins with the hand of the Lord. It's interesting. It doesn't say the word of the Lord at this point. Most of us say the word. It says, the hand of the Lord came upon me. That is, he led me by the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley full of bones. He starts with a vision. He led me all around so I could see all these bones. And then he said to me, he asked me, what do you think? Can these, can these bones live? That is, have you lost hope? Is Israel dead? And so Ezekiel's kind of like, oh, I, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I love the way Ezekiel demurs, right? Yeah. He He's like, he, and he's like, is this, I can hear his head. Is this a trick question? Because uh, this is God asking. You know? Well, I know they, I know you Jimmy, know, Lord. Jimmy Kimmel still does the street stuff. And back in the day was that, uh, oh, shoot, Jay Leno had a lot of this people asking well, questions. Yeah. And, and, you know, ask these questions. And every once in a while you would see somebody that was smart enough to know that what this was a show. And so it's kind of yeah. like, uh, I'm not saying nothing that'll get me on there for being stupid. <laughs> it's kind of how he responds. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> you know. But then prophecy. He defers until the second half. Yeah, he tells him what to say. <laughs> Tell him. Yeah. Hear the word of the Lord first of all. Hear the word. And then there is. Thus says the Lord of the Bills, I will br- cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. How do we live? Through the gift of God's word and spirit, we will live. The rest of this is he promises to bring them back to life. Then Ezekiel sees the vision of it. And then there is the interpretation down in verse 11. These bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, and this is the people of Israel, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We're cut off completely. But God says, I'm going to open your graves and bring you from your graves, O my people, and bring you back to the land of Israel. It's not the end, but the beginning. Now, the question is sometimes, you know, we, it's obvious to use this and, and can be used to say, oh, this is a promise of resurrection. We hear things so much in individual terms. Right. And when it says open the graves and bring them back, this is a promise of resurrection. But what? is actually being said here is to the nation, to the people, to the corporate reality, to the cultists. You are not finished as a people. Mm-hmm. You are not finished as the covenant people of God. I will breathe new life into you. I, my word is my is my bond. You know, hear the word, remember the word, not just hear the word I say now, but remember the word of the covenant that's always been. And and it becomes for us a literal living word, 
in this passage. And I had a take on it this time I don't I don't think I've ever seen before. Yeah. I, I know I haven't used it before. And yeah. that is this question is a lot more than a rhetorical question. It's it a is. lot more than, than God just being clever. And here's what I'm working with. When God asks Ezekiel the question, can these bones live? And he looks around and the valley's full and there, there are very many bones and they're very dry. I mean, we, we, there's just no hope here. It's a big mess. The answer is no. This pile of bones can't live without some serious help and some serious work. And connecting that to then what happens, God commands me to prophesy, and then the first thing that happens is the, there's this rattling and this thunderous sound, and the bones are all shaking around, and they come together bone to bone. All right? And so the, the old spiritual leg bone connected to the ankle bone and so on and so forth has to be literally true here. These bones are just laying in a big pile, and you got an arm bone from Joe next to the hip bone from Sarah, and those aren't going to get joined up. And so, get everything all getting lined up here. Then there are sinews, because even if it's all lined up, you can't get connected without the sinews. Then there's flesh wrapping around. The flesh carries the blood and the energy and the chemicals and all that. And then you got to have some skin to wrap it all up and bind it all together. Great, you've got a bunch of bodies now. Do they live? No, we don't have the spirit. And then here comes the wind, and there's that wonderful play in Hebrew on ruach, wind, spirit, breath. And it somehow manages to be all of those. And we call the winds from every corner. And now we have living souls, not individually. It's the whole mass. It's the whole people. It's the, the whole army, the whole people of God. And I think that's the point you were uh, alluding yeah. to just a moment yeah. ago. It's a, gosh, it's another fantastic story. Well, and, I, and so I'm speaking to a people that have been fractured yep. and divided yep. and have had a hard time coming together. Yep. And, you know, even though I hear people saying, well, I think our, you know, this church can come back. And, and part of it is to say, well, yeah, <laughs> if some things happen, yeah. come together and if God orders the body and it's so on and so on and so forth. So that that's why the focus for me this week. But uh, what a neat story. It is. And one of the things I want to mention as you talked about, the flesh is not alive without the spirit. It's, mm-hmm. boy, look at Romans 8. Yep. It says, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Now, too often in in Western Christianity, flesh ends up meaning um, sex or other bodily pleasures, which is not exactly what Paul had in mind. He had, I think, uh, it's best summarized: if we for this life only, we have hope. We are of all people most to be pitied. If if all we focus on is what we can accomplish and what we need and what physically get our needs met and all of that kind of stuff that leads to ultimately to death it might be a pleasure nice life up to them but that there's a spiritual death involved you know and so he patterns off you got to have the spirit the spirit is life and peace 
I'm not going to walk through all of these verses, but as you read through there, it goes back and forth between the flesh and its opposite spirit, and there's death, and there's life and peace, and there's hostility to God, and there's unity with God dwelling in you. It goes, he plays with those things. And the last line, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you, which is exactly the kind of thing that Ezekiel talks about is yep. the spirit, the breath is that which gives life. And it all ties. And then you look over back at your, our um, text from Lazarus story of Lazarus and that whole issue of believing and what is life it is Christ calling you forth the life in the spirit uh just quickly with the psalm um this is an individual psalm but the out of the depths has to is tied in here because of the tie with the dry bones the depths of despair that Israel was feeling and it gets tied in there if if you judge us if we are on Judge us by our iniquities if you judge us by our flesh. If you judge us by what we've been able to accomplish, there's forgiveness with you. You And then the last little bit of witnessing, the Lord is love and will restore Israel. And uh, again, I come back. This story, to this day today, is about where there is despair, there is hope. Because God in Christ gives us the Word, the written Word, the living Word, and the Spirit, and it is a gift Mm -hmm. from God. So much so that for us to come out of our tombs, Jesus is most willing to go into the tomb. I bet some of y'all go to use that line. I hope you I hope you think about it. Uh, I hope it provokes your thinking and uh, no shortage of directions or options within the text today. Let the spirit guide you. Let God breathe that into each of you. Bubba, I've enjoyed it as I always do. And uh, we'll be back next week. To talk about Palm slash Passion Sunday and the kind of annual question we have to solve, how much of each, what is the feature, and then, of course, preparing for Holy Week. It's a great time. I hope y'all are all rested up because Holy Week's about here. Not much left for us to do today, Bubba, other than to tell everybody bye. Everybody bye. Ooh, Lectionary Love Live is a two bubbles and Bible production. Our opening theme is Next Steps, performed by Half.Cool. And we go out today with Breathe, written by David John Gilmore, George Roger Waters, Richard William Wright. It's performed by Pink Floyd.
Race towards another grave. 